On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla reports their financial earnings for Q4 2019, and I've got highlights from Elon Musk on the call, plus a recap and analysis of the news, including a lot of new stuff about the Model Y. Stay tuned. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 235. It's a big one of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for February 2nd, 2020. This is the earnings call episode. I do these, of course, once a quarter as Tesla does their earnings calls. Uh, I have a lot of fun with these. These are big episodes to do. They take a while to put together, but I always love how they turn out in the end. So uh, it's going to be a very busy show. But I've got plenty to get to before we even get to the earnings call. First, real quick, I just wanted to apologize up front for how bad I sound. Uh, I've had a cold. In fact, I had a cold. I thought I was over it. And then it came roaring back, but even worse. And so now it is just my head is, uh, is not. It's just a ball of awfulness. So um, I apologize for sounding very nasally this week, but... It is a very busy week of Tesla news, and I am here for it. So let's dive in. This episode's, of course, going to be mostly centered around the Q4 earnings call, but not entirely. First up, before we get to that, I wanted to mention a little scoop from my friend Trevor Page at Tesla Owners Online. It comes via Zach, who goes by the Twitter handle of BLKMDL3 on Twitter. I would imagine that that's his license plate on his car. And Zach has the first look at the forged performance wheels for the Model 3 that are a referral program prize from last year. So this will be uh, the first new wheel introduced for Model 3 since the car launch, well, or since the performance cars came out with the 20-inch uh, stiletto, I suppose. And while I'd encourage you to go to Tesla Owners Online to have a look at them for yourself, I can tell you that they look fairly similar to the Model S's arachnid wheels. They're dark gray, uh, they've got 10 thin spokes grouped in pairs like forks, and they are 20-inch wheels. So, you know, I'm curious that they, I mean, they have a very minimalist look to them, which which I'm very on board with. I, I like minimalism in pretty much all all of my designs for, for anything that I buy, whether it's clothing or cars or what have you. So I like that. And uh, since we know they're forged performance, so they're going to be lighter weight, I wonder if they're going to have a tangibly, keyword tangibly, better watt-hour per mile efficiency than the stock 20-inch stiletto wheels. So uh, we'll find out soon enough. I'm sure somebody else is going to get their hands on these before too long. I am very fortunate to have qualified for a set of these in the referral program from uh, late last year. So I, I'm thinking, uh, I think I'm going to put them on. I think I really, really love those 20-inch stilettos that come on the on the Performance Model 3 by default. I, I've loved them since March 31st, 2016, when the Silver Alpha prototype rolled out with a set of them on. And Elon uh, had confirmed very quickly on Twitter after after the Model 3 unveiled that, that those wheels would come to production. And they did but initially a 19-inch form, and I just thought, oh, the 20s would be so nice. Thankfully, the 20s did come around 
with the performance car, and I'm lucky to have them. But yeah, you know these, uh, you know these are nice. They're new, and if they're lighter weight, and if they are going to maybe be a little more efficient, I certainly wouldn't mind that. And if they maybe shed a cup, uh, you know, shed a, a few hundredths of a second off of off of the zero to sixty time. That might also be a good reason to put them on as well. So uh, hopefully if you also earned, it was three referrals that you needed in a certain window of time to earn these late last year. Actually, I can't say say late last year, late 2018. So if you did earn them, uh, hopefully Tesla will start contacting the winners of them rather soon since we know that there is a set out in the wild. So that's item number one, up for bids on the prices right this week. Next up, this affects a lot of you, much more, many more of you than uh, Forge Performance Model 3 wheels, I'm sure. Changes to the Model Y, uh, or at least the Model Y configuration. So the big one, the rear wheel drive long range option is gone. The standard range rear wheel drive option is still showing early 2021 availability, or at least production. The only options now are long-range dual motor, performance, and uh, performance plus, or at least performance with a performance upgrade option, which will get uh, get you the aluminum uh, pedals, uh, brake and accelerator pedals, the larger brakes with the red brake calipers, the slightly lowered suspension, and a top speed increase from 145 miles per hour to 155 miles per hour, and that performance upgrade option will also get you 21-inch wheels that are called the Uber Turbine wheels. And yes, as I correctly predicted, uh, when release candidates were spotted with these around, and remember, the, these are the wheels that were on the original uh, Rolling Red Mule Model 3. Uh, you can't even call it a prototype. It was just a Rolling Mule, but at the unveiling event, that that red model three, uh, so the, the the it really look like turbines, like they're they're double turbine <laughs> in a sense if you want to put it that way. So those wheels, I thought once they started popping up on Model Y release candidates, that they would certainly get made, and they indeed have been. They are going to be a performance only option on the Model Y. The twenty one inch is a surprise. I did not think Tesla would step up on uh, a, with a larger tire and wheel size on the Model Y, but they have done just that. So that probably means, probably means that these are not going to fit the Model 3 if you are interested in putting them on that car. But I'm sure someone's going to try. So I guess we'll get, we'll have to wait till the Model Y releases to find out one way or another for sure on that. Uh, Now, the 18-inch aero wheels that some of you may have ordered on your Model Y Uh, Those are no longer available. They have been replaced by the 19-inch Gemini wheels, which are available on the Model 3 as well. So there are a few things to discuss on this. The big one is the uh, absence of the long-range rear-wheel drive Model Y. So, uh, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here because I just don't know what to tell uh, those of you who are who are looking for that configuration and who are disappointed today. I've already heard from a number of you on email and on Twitter, and I'm, you know, I just I I feel bad for you. You know, you're you, that the option that you were hoping for is not there. And here's the thing, it's not coming possibly ever. Um, 
because Tesla themselves uh, said as much. If you go on the Tesla.com website and find the Model Y ordering FAQ page, Frequently Asked Questions page, it says right there, long-range rear-wheel drive is not scheduled for production at this time. So uh, that is pretty definitively stated. There's not a lot of wiggle room. I mean, sure, you could hold out a little hope, the fact that they said, at this time, they're leaving the door open, maybe next year. But for now, uh, if you're looking for your Model Y anytime in the near future, it is best to not count on this as an option, particularly when it's also not an option on the Model 3 and hasn't been for some time on that car. Because we know that the two cars share a lot of parts, a lot of most parts, 75% of the parts. The battery packs one of them. So, uh, and and the drivetrain is is one of is one of those components as well. So, uh, with the three not offering it, it's unlikely that the Y would would also or would offer it just by itself and not have it also be on the three. So, I don't think that's coming anytime soon. But the second item here. Uh, speaking about now what is available, the dual-motor long-range Model Y. The good news is if you do step up to that, uh, if you if you had a, had a rear-wheel drive long-range on order and decide you do want to step up to the dual-motor car, uh, it's got a higher EPA rating than what it had been showing on the design studio for the last, you know, 10 months. 315 miles for the rear wheel, uh, pardon me, for the dual motor long range Model Y. That is definitely an upgrade from what was originally listed one uh, from last March when those Model Y orders first started getting taken. So that's good news at least. That is good news. Yay for efficiencies uh, earned by Tesla and achieved by Tesla over the last year or so. Third, uh, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the Performance Model Y originally said it would have the same carbon fiber spoiler on the back that the Performance Model 3 does, but the design studio no longer says that about the Model Y. And uh, also, backing that up, none of the Performance Y release candidates that have been photographed out in the wild all over the place have had one either. So it would appear that Tesla is not bothering with that little carbon fiber spoiler on the back of the Y, if indeed I'm remembering correctly and they had planned to originally. But uh, the biggest news of all about the Model Y is its availability, which was addressed in the, uh, in the earnings call. So let's get to that momentarily. First, real quick, the shareholder letter. I want to start there. This is the letter posted before the call that's uh, available on the Tesla website if you wanted to look at it. And the news here is all good. Uh, Tesla was indeed profitable again in Q4, and they write in the shareholder letter, quote, 2019 was a turning point for Tesla. We demonstrated strong organic demand for Model 3, returned to gap profitability in the second half of 2019, and generated $1.1 billion of free cash flow for the year. We achieved strong cash generation through persistent cost control across the business. Our pace of execution has also improved significantly as we have incorporated many learnings from our experience launching Model 3 in the United States. 
As a result, we were able to start Model 3 production in Gigafactory Shanghai in less than 10 months from breaking ground, and have already begun the production ramp for Model Y in Fremont. None of this would be possible without strong demand for our products. For most of 2019, nearly all orders came from new buyers that did not hold a prior reservation, demonstrating significant reach beyond those who showed early interest. Amazingly, this was accomplished without any spend on advertising. As more people drive our cars and as the industry rapidly validates electrification, interest in our products will continue to grow. Higher volumes driven by Model Y and Gigafactory Shanghai, continued improvements in operating leverage, and further cost efficiencies should allow Tesla to ultimately reach an industry-leading operating margin, end quote. So uh, there's your profitability. And that last bit uh, about uh, the, quote, industry-leading operating margin is certainly what could drive the company to serious profitability into the next year and beyond. And the 2020 forecast, by the way, is for 500,000 cars. Quote, for full year 2020, vehicle deliveries should comfortably exceed uh, 500,000 units. Due to ramp of Model 3 in Shanghai and Model Y in Fremont, production will likely outpace deliveries this year, both solar and storage deployments should grow at least 50% in 2020, end quote. So I'll tell you, I think that Tesla is not only getting better at making cars, but seriously, I mean, this sounds kind of, uh, you know, uh, just sort of like on a whim, but I'm being serious when I say that they're getting better about being more realistic at their forecasting too. They're getting better at that. You know, the 2020 forecast sounds totally reasonable. It's not some, you know, big pie-in-the-sky goal. I mean, remember, it was just three, four short years ago that Elon uh, doubled the uh, production goals for Tesla and, and you know, set, things, set the bar pretty crazy high. And when they weren't able to get there in the time that he said, the, the Wall Street, you know, took him, they raked him over the coals. Not saying it's completely fair to have done that, but it's also, you know, probably wasn't completely unfair. So it's really great to see Tesla uh, really improve and get just more, more locked in, more realistic, more, uh, just more sensible about their goals. And by the way, they did indeed make their forecast, their deliveries forecast for 2019 as well. All right, with that, here at the 14-minute mark of the show. Let's dive into the earnings call. As always, I start with Elon Musk's opening statement. This is uh, just under six minutes long. Take a listen to this. So Q4 was another strong quarter for the company. Uh, deliveries reached uh, over 112,000 vehicles in a single quarter. It's hard to think of a similar product with such strong demand that it can generate more than $20 billion in revenue with zero advertising spend. I think that's... They, we do say that from time to time, and I think it's it's often um, overlooked. But to have uh, the highest demand electric vehicle in the world with no advertising spend is, I think, quite remarkable, and speaks to the 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 nature of the product and the fact that it, the product itself is compelling enough to generate that demand without uh, without a bunch of advertising. At our Fremont factory, we were producing at a rate roughly the same as uh, the Numi factory did in its record year of 2006, and uh, obviously we expect to to exceed that uh, significantly this year. 
Uh, this rate of production was achieved before we even started to produce the Model Y out of Fremont. So there's a lot of potential uh, to go beyond that number. For the Shanghai factory, I'd like to say congratulations again to the team in Shanghai on launching Model 3 last quarter and uh, achieving the first deliveries earlier this year. Um, I'm really excited and optimistic about the potential for the, the Shanghai factory. I think it's, it's going to be an incredible asset uh, to, to the company. Um, and we, we also uh, broke ground on the uh, Model Y uh, factory in, in Shanghai. So there's a lot of good progress there. Um, regarding Model Y, uh, it was only 10 months ago that we revealed a Model Y prototype. And now in January this year, we started producing Model Y in limited volumes already. Uh, this is thanks to a great effort of our engineering team and we managed to achieve by far the highest energy efficiency of any electric SUV ever produced at 4.1 miles per kilowatt hour, um, <clears throat> which means Model Y all-wheel drive got an EPA rating of 315 miles. Um, this improvement is reflected on the configurator as of today. <coughs> this, is, this is above um, what we previously stated by a pretty significant margin. Um, and, and just the, with great acceleration, top speed, it's really just incredible specs all around. Uh, for the Cybertruck, uh, a few months ago we revealed the obviously we revealed the Cybertruck um, that was that went viral, um, and we we tried to build a product that a product that is superior in every way without any preconceptions of how such a product should look. So it it was really just from the standpoint of what's the most badass futuristic armored personnel carrier that you know kicks the ass of any pickup truck. Basically, that's the that was the goal. Um, and uh, the, the you know we wanted it to look like something that just kind of came out of a sci-fi movie set from the future, and uh, the demand has been incredible. I've mean, never seen actually such a, a level a level of demand at this. We've never seen anything like it. Basically, um, I think we will make as about as many as we can sell for many years. Um, so as many, you know, we'll sell as many as we can make. It's going to be pretty nuts. Um, so, um, and I think actually that the, the product is better than people realize. Even they, they don't even have enough information to realize just the awesomeness of it. It's just great. So, um, and then um, stepping back in 2018, uh, from a financial standpoint, uh, we were. Free cash flow rate was uh, break even, um, but in 2019 we managed to generate more than a billion dollars free cash flow while building a factory in Shanghai in record time and while building parts of Model Y in production. So I think to for us to have this level of free cash flow while making massive investments in capacity, while developing new products, while improving the core engineering, is a testament to the. Uh, I think incredible performance of the Tesla team, and I'm just so proud to work with such a great team. I'd like to thank the whole Tesla team for their ongoing work on, on uh, cost control, and is what, is, what is, has allowed us to get to uh, these compelling financial numbers while at the same time growing the company at an incredible pace. And in conclusion, when I think of what we have in front of us the next couple of years, we've got Model Y, we've got Giga Berlin, uh, Tesla Semi, solar glass roof, Cybertruck, um, some very exciting improvements in back battery technology, uh, full self-driving, um, got the next-gen Roadster, 
and probably you know, a bunch of other products we'll, we'll come up with too. Uh, it's hard to think of another company that has more exciting product and technology roadmap. So, super fired up about where Tesla will be, you know, in the next uh, you know, ten years. Um, it's, you know, if you look back ten years from today to 2010, um, we will produce approximately a thousand times more cars in 2020 than we produced in 2010. A thousand. Um, and we have also solar glass and, and solar retrofit and uh, power wall, power pack, you know, all those other things too. So where will we be in 10 years? Very exciting to consider the prospect. First, I really love the 10,000 foot view notes that Elon makes here. First, about the 20 billion in revenue without any money spent on advertising. I mean, that's incredible. I, you know, I know it sounds like a Tesla fanboy thing of me to say, but I doubt there's another product in the world that can claim that. You know, no advertising spend on and that kind of revenue. And if you think that's impressive, and again, I certainly think it is, remember that one day, a day will come where Tesla will advertise. Just think of what their ceiling might be when that day comes. Second, uh, another 10,000-foot view remark was about comparing Tesla's output to the peak of Numi's output. Now, Numi, if you're not aware, that was the name of the Tesla factory before Tesla bought it. It was a joint operation that General Motors and Toyota ran together. There were Corollas made there, Geo Prisms made there, some other cars made there over the years. And that peak, if you're curious, I looked it up was 428,633 vehicles that came out of that plant in 2006. So it's pretty darn cool that Tesla is now at that level and heading up to a higher one. Third uh, on this uh, these opening remarks, I want to come back to Elon's comment about the Model Y starting limited production in January. My question about that is this. Does he mean the Founders Series cars? You know, I know I've been talking about those on a, a recent episode or two. I mean, are those cars out right now very quietly? Probably not, because I'm sure if they were, there'd be some eagle-eyed folks out there would have spotted them with regular California <laughs> license plates on them running around Palo Alto and the surrounding areas and, and photographed them and put them on the internet. But I guess I'm sure what Elon probably means there are the release candidate vehicles with the California manufacturer license plates that have been cited not just around California, but all over the country. You know, Minnesota, East Coast, Midwest, Northwest, those cars have been uh, making their way around. So that's probably what they meant by uh, the January date for limited production. Finally, Elon's comment on the Cybertruck. I love how he had a laugh there over how much attention it got. And I'll tell you, in my experience covering Elon and covering Tesla over the years, when Elon says that there's a lot more to the Cybertruck that makes it even better uh, and that we don't know about those features yet, I think it's pretty safe to say that he's not being hyperbolic about that and that we should go ahead and take him at face value there. So, that's pretty exciting. There's, a, I guess, a lot, uh, a lot more un- layers left to peel off the onion that is the Cybertruck. Uh, actually, you know what? One more note. The 
Elon mentioned the the 2010 to 2020 comparison number about production about Tesla making a thousand times more vehicles in 2020 uh, that they will in 2020 as they did in 2010. That's actually true because if you're wondering, wait, how is that quite possible? Remember, the Model S didn't start production in uh, li- you know limited volume until the second half of 2012. So in 2010, Tesla was making the original Roadster, and they only did, you guessed it, about 500 or so Roadsters a year. And they did that pretty consistently with, uh, with Lotus over the course of five years, 2008 to 2012. So 500 versus 500,000 vehicles in 2020. Uh, and it's just, again, you pull back and you look at it and you go, where Tesla was then to where Tesla is now, it's genuinely incredible. It's, it's, it's amazing. And just what a story that this company is and continues to be. Uh, oh, and real quick, bless you, Elon Musk, for mentioning the Tesla Roadster, the next generation Tesla Roadster, because the last time that he spoke about uh, the Tesla product roadmap being a, a super exciting roadmap that you know nobody else in the world has as, has as exciting as a roadmap as them. He didn't mention the Roadster. And I was like, wait, what's going on with this thing? So um, I know that may mean nothing, but him saying that as part of the lineup over the next couple of years uh, makes me feel much, much better about the progress on that car. All right, let's continue with the earnings call here with CFO Zach Kirkhorn's opening statement. Take a listen to this. As we look ahead to 2020, this again will be an important year for the company. Our task ahead is to execute on the the next phase of growth while managing cash flows to support that growth. On Model Y, we expect first deliveries in limited quantities later this quarter and will ramp over subsequent quarters. As mentioned previously, we are forecasting higher gross margins on Model Y compared to the Model 3. This year, for the Shanghai-built Model 3, we expect to achieve run rate production and delivery rates. In addition, we expect to have completed the majority of planned supply chain localization at the factory or in the region. This is one of the most important components to achieve lower production costs for the site. We are also seeing strong order rates for the locally built Model 3 and remain focused on continuing the production ramp and managing costs. We also anticipate significant progress on factory construction of the Shanghai and Berlin built Model Y, which will result in continued increases in capital spending. On operating expenses, I expect an increase over the course of the year to support our growing product pipeline and international footprint. However, OPEX growth should increase at a lower rate than top-line revenue. Overall, we believe this will set us up for our strongest annual financial performance yet, with sufficient forecasted cash flows to support investments related to our growth and further strengthening of our balance sheet. For Q1, please keep in mind that the industry is always impacted by seasonality. Additionally, we are in the process of ramping two major products, Model 3 in Shanghai and Model Y in Fremont, which I expect will temporarily weigh on our margins. We are also in the early stages of understanding if and to what extent we may be temporarily impacted by the coronavirus. At this point, we are expecting a one to one and a half week delay in the ramp of Shanghai built Model 3 due to a government required factory shutdown. This may slightly impact profitability for the quarter, but is limited as the profit contribution from Model 3 Shanghai remains in the early stages. 
We are also closely monitoring whether there will be interruptions in the supply chain for cars built in Fremont. So far, we're not aware of anything material, but it's important to caveat that this is an evolving story. However, we have more than sufficient cash to continue our ex expansion plans while further strengthening the balance sheet. Thank you again for your support, and we will turn to questions. And there's your big Model Y news. First limited customer deliveries by the end of the quarter. So that is going to be March, almost certainly. That's actually what's on the Tesla.com website. And that is really impressive because I want to remind you, in case you've forgotten, at the Model Y reveal less than a year ago, when they started taking orders, they said at the time, deliveries begin in fall 2020. Then that moved up to summer 2020. And now it's moved up again to spring 2020. Now, to be fair, it remains to be seen how slow or fast that the production ramp is going to go. It may bear out that the summer number ends up being accurate for the large volumes of people getting their cars, and that maybe spring is just going to be a warm-up for a lucky few people. But this is nevertheless incredibly impressive uh, when you look back historically and see that the Model S was late, the Model X was late, Model 3 was late, the Semi is technically late, and the Roadster is almost definitely going to be late. But the Y is such an important product for Tesla, and they've so far got their ducks completely in a row on it. It's great. Uh, and by the way, when I say that all the other vehicles in the lineup were late, you know, I'm not trying to say that disparagingly or dismissingly. It's making a, any car is hard. Making a, a electric car that's fundamentally different is really hard. And of course, in the end, Tesla made, they made the cars, they were better than what they were originally revealed to be. That's what's always awesome about Tesla is, you know, they show a prototype, not a concept car, like most other car companies, they show a prototype and then the production version ends up being better in most, if not all ways. Whereas, you know, most car companies with concept cars, the thing you actually end up buying is significantly dumbed down from that concept car. Anyway, um, the point is with Model Y, I cannot wait to see these things start delivering to all of you guys in my audience. I know there's a lot of you really waiting patiently, uh, very excited for the car. So can't wait to see. It's going to be, I mean, I'm sitting here at on January 31st as I record. So in two months, in 60 days, this car will be out in some capacity. And s some of you, there's going to be at least one or two of you out there that will own this car in, in two months. And that is awesome. Uh, next clip here is Elon speaking to the ride-sharing network, the Tesla network. Well, I think that it's, it probably will make sense to have the, to enable car sharing in advance of the kind of sort of giant robo-taxi fleet um, because the car sharing can be done before uh, full self-driving is approved by regulators. Um, so it's, it's probably something that we would enable before uh, the, the full sort of rubber taxi fleet is enabled. Um, and um, it sounds like there were some other questions bundled in there. Uh, superchargers yeah. at the airports? Oh, sure. Um, yeah. yeah, probably we'll have superchargers at airports. We'll have superchargers wherever we see that there is a need for superchargers. And then on the insurance part of the question, it is our intent to allow people to put their cars into ride-sharing or the FSD network using Tesla insurance. Yeah. That's not currently the case, 
but by the time that this is available, it's our intent to get that ready. Well, we've heard that bit about the ride-sharing app before, I think, but it's cool to know that you'll be able to test out the Tesla network as a human driver yourself before it eventually becomes a robo-taxi fleet that you just send your car out into while you're, while you're busy with other things during the day. I mean, I'll tell you, no, no joke, completely serious, I will stop using Uber and Lyft in a heartbeat once this comes online. It's nothing against Uber or Lyft. I'd just much rather be in a Tesla in whatever city I'm in, both for safety reasons and because I'd rather hang out with other Tesla owners every single time, 10 out of 10 times. Uh, Also, the thing about superchargers at airports that he mentioned, I'll tell you, maybe I'm missing something, but I don't feel like we need that. If you're at the airport, you're either picking someone up dropping someone off, or if you're parking there and going on a trip, you're probably going to be parking for hours or days at a time while you're on your trip. So I would think that level two charging would be completely sufficient for airports. I don't know. Maybe Again, maybe I'm missing something, but uh, all right. Uh, how about an update on Tesla insurance? Zach, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. Zach. Yeah. Um, so Tesla insurance is currently available in California. Uh, a couple of things that we're working on on this front. Uh, the first is to expand it to other locations, and uh, we're preparing the regulatory processes, pre- preparing our processes to go through the regulatory processes in those locations. Uh, we're also working on um, the processes to continue to adjust our rates in California, which also have to go through regulatory processes, as insurance is quite heavily regulated. And and that's where we're spending our time focusing on Tesla insurance right now. There's a significant amount of innovation, as we've discussed before, in this space, exactly getting to the intent of what the question here is, uh, using our technology to reduce rates. And this will be rolled in over time. The last part of the question was, will there be a discount for using autopilot with our cars? Oh, yeah, 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 there will be. Yeah, the the rate card for California Tesla insurance already considers the safety features associated with autopilot. Right, but I think I think it would make sense for us to um, close the loop on you know higher use of autopilot probably reduces the um, insurance costs. Uh, it lowers the probability of, of injury. So uh, I think insurance is is going to be I think quite a major product of Tesla over time. Um, the amount of money that people spend on car insurance. Is, is like a r- remarkably big percentage of the cost of a, a car. Um, like you, you can lease a Model 3 uh, right now for $400 a month, um, but a typical uh, uh, owner in California will be paying, you know, uh, it's somewhere between $100 and $200 a month in insurance. So we're talking about something which is maybe a quarter to half of the cost of the lease of the car is insurance. Um, and um, a lot of that insurance cost is just because the co- insurance companies don't have good information about the drivers, um, and that, that there's no good way to provide feedback. Where you know it, it, it's, a, it's a very poor feedback mechanism uh, in terms of the insurance rates versus of the actual uh, way that the car is being driven. Whereas we can do that in real time. It, it's a fundamental information advantage that insurance companies don't have. 
So currently, as uh, at least as I priced it out, and a lot of you have done the same, Tesla insurance is fairly close to current insurance prices, maybe in your favor, maybe not, depending on your exact situation. But other factors like umbrella policies with your existing company might tip the scales away from Tesla on that. At least that's the decision that I came to when I evaluated it. But if real-time autopilot data, I mean, I use autopilot every day, as I'm sure a lot of you do as well. If real-time autopilot data would start to factor in and make the Tesla insurance cheaper, that could tip the scales back in Tesla's favor. Uh, so that will be interesting to see. Now, I tell you, I fully plan on insuring the Roadster through Tesla uh, because it wouldn't, I'd still have my umbrella policy. We've got my wife's car. We'd have the Model 3. And quite frankly, I would trust Tesla with that thing a lot more than I would trust a traditional insurance company who probably just wouldn't know what the heck to do with it in really any circumstance. So it's going to be interesting to see how Tesla insurance grows and evolves and adapts in the coming months and years. Elon was next asked about uh, the progress on retrofitting Hardware 3 into the uh, the older fleet with the 2.5 and the 2.0 uh, hardware chips in them. So here's Elon's response to that and some other full self-driving stuff. Well, I mean, to be precise, I, I said I was hoping it would be future complete with full FSD by the end of last year. Um, we, we got pretty close. Um, you know, it's looking like we might be future complete um, in a few months. Um, but feature complete just means like it has some chance of uh, of going from your home to work, let's say with with that, with no interventions. Um, so that's it. Doesn't mean the features are working well, um, but it means it has some a, a, you know a, a above zero chance. Um, so I think that's looking like maybe it's going to be a couple months from now. Um, and uh, the, the, what what isn't obvious regarding uh, autopilot and full self driving is just how much. Uh, work has been going into improving the, the foundational elements of autonomy. Uh, the, the the core autopilots and Tesla autopilot software and and AI team is just is like very very strong and making great progress. Um, and um, we're we're really only beginning to take full advantage of the autopilot hardware, the FSD hardware. Um, so. I think it's it, the, the 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 apparent progress as seen by uh, consumers will seem to be extremely rapid. But um, but actually, the, um, what what's really gone on behind seems like I said is just is having the foundational uh, software be very strong, having a really strong foundation, um, and then a really fundamental thing is moving to video training. Uh, so in terms of labeling. Uh, labeling uh, with uh, video um, and all all eight cameras simultaneously. Uh, uh, this is a really, I mean, in terms of labeling efficiency, arguably like a three order of magnitude improvement in labeling efficiency. Uh, for those who know about this, it's extremely fundamental. Um, so that that's uh, making great progress on that. Well, I'm not sure if it's fair to call that a bit of a backpedal on Elon's part with regard to the progress on feature-complete full self-driving, but regardless, it's a much-needed clarification. 
So it sounds like when it does roll out, start to roll out, that it might still need interventions for a while after those first city-based full self-driving features are released. And that makes sense. I mean, it makes perfect sense. There are so many unique turn lanes, arrow lights, intersections, etc. on every single person's commute uniquely that it is going to be a heck of a task to train the system on it. Fortunately, though, as you heard there, it sounds like Tesla is preparing for that with the video labeling system that they're spinning up. That is probably the Project Dojo that was mentioned at Autonomy Day last year, but at the time, not fully explained. Next, uh, Tesla. They've got some money in their pocket now. So what are they going to do with it, Elon Musk? Well, we're actually spending money as quickly as we can spend it uh, sensibly. So if there's any sensible way to spend money, we are spending it. There's no artificial uh, holdback on, on expenditures. Um, anything that I see that is uh, looks like a, it's, it's got good value for money, the answer is yes, immediately. Um, so um, like we're, we're spending money, I think, efficiently and, and we're not artificially limiting our pro progress um, and then d despite all that we are still generating positive ca uh, cash so um, you know in, in light of that it, it doesn't make sense to we you know to raise money because we expect to generate cash despite um, the this, this growth level exactly like you know I completely agree with that uh, I, I think some of our learnings um, during the Model 3 launch period where we grew too quickly and with too much complexity. Yeah. And it held back our ability to continue to scale. And part of the journey that we've been on in 2019 is to unwind a series of unintentional bad processes that kind of accumulated in the company over time. And so that's kind of what contributes to the reduction in OPEX over the years. We get smarter about that. And, um, and now we've laid a, a good foundation, I think, uh, and I agree with Elon that we're not holding back on the growth. I mean, we have two products, two vehicle products launching right now, and uh, and that will consume much of the bandwidth of the company to stabilize those over the course of the year. And then looking into next year, we have even more products launching, more right. factories. Yeah. Uh, and so we want to be smart about how we spend money and grow in a way that's sustainable so we don't... Uh, um, uh, fall victim to the mistakes I think we made a year and a half or so ago. Yeah, absolutely. So there is no capital raise coming because Tesla doesn't think they need it. That is a really healthy sign for the business. Now, if you're curious about the two product launches happening right now that Zach mentioned, he had said that earlier in the call. I'm not sure if I played the clip or not because I did edit this down. It's the Model Y in Fremont and the Model 3 in Shanghai. That's what he's referring to there. And he says that next year, they have even more launches, meaning more than two. So uh, hopefully that means the semi-truck, the Cybertruck, and the Roadster. That's what would seemingly make sense for 2021. Uh, this has come up before, but it's, it's fair to ask. This is... Uh, People are always curious, well, when are the S and the X going to get more substantial, fundamental upgrades, whether it's a redesign 
or a battery pack architecture redesign. You know, the, the S has been on the 18650 form factor batteries from Panasonic since they came out, the X as well. So are, is the, are the S and the X going to go to the 2170s anytime soon? Here is Elon and then uh, the VP of tech, Drew, chiming in on that. Sure. Well, actually, the, the, the core chemistry inside the 18650 cell has improved um, many times over the years. So it's really just a form factor as opposed to a core technology. Um, so it's, you know, I think we're, we're pretty happy with where the, you know, the, where the energy content of the cell and the, 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 the improvements um, in uh, efficiency of, of the vehicle. Um, the, you know, we're, we're rapidly approaching uh, a 400-mile range for the Model S, for example. Um, so this is, uh, it won't be long before Model S is 400, has a 400-mile range. Um, Drew, is there anything you want to add, though? No, other than to say that um, uh, the 18650 lines, you know, I've been running smoothly for a really long time, and uh, in a world where cell supply is is, is fueling growth, like or yeah. part of the, 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 the fuel of growth, I don't see a reason to turn that cell supply off. So. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, the, the, the model S and X uh, actually have more range than we are currently stating on the website. Um, we just haven't uh, gotten around to updating the, the I guess, the EPA certified okay. number. Um, but the actual uh, range of the Model S and X are above what the website says there are. That's true. Yeah. Sir? Yeah, the existing cars that, that are yeah, so that are being made. It's actually been that way for it's been a little bit of time. time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we're, yeah, it must be in somewhere in the 380s or something like that. Um, first, yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. If you buy a Model S today, you're getting a bit more range than even what's reflected on the website, somewhere in the 380s. If you're curious, it shows 373 on the website right now. And it sounds like the form factor question is now kind of a moot one, at least for the time being. The 18650s have, as you heard Elon say there, had their chemistry upgraded a number of times over the years. So I suppose it almost doesn't matter what the form factor is. I mean, I know it does as far as energy displacement for high-performance driving, but, you know, maybe it matters a bit less than we all thought. Uh, next, Starlink and Tesla. Could the Starlink uh, setup that SpaceX has, uh, has been launching up into orbit come to play uh, alongside the Tesla vehicles? It's certainly something that could be happen in coming years. If there's no plans through it this year, uh, the focus of Starlink is really for um, high bandwidth, low latency connectivity uh, for you know homes and businesses and you know I guess aircraft and boats and that kind of thing. Uh, but the antenna for that high bandwidth, low latency thing is sort of about the size of meat and pizza, which you could put on a car, but I think uh, is more bandwidth than you would really need. Uh, I mean, technically you could buy one and just stick it on the car. Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll work. Phase ray antenna. I'm pretty sure this has come up on previous earnings calls, and it's the same answer. The antenna is too big. You know, it seems like a thing that would make sense over time, but for now, uh, LTE is just getting the job done for what the cars need today. 
But, you know, even as full self-driving ramps up and the in-car entertainment options ramp up along with it, 5G should probably handle those needs pretty well. In fact, here's what Elon said on that same analyst's follow-up question. Well, I think it, actually in most parts of the world, we'd just use uh, the, the cellular connectivity, just use 5G. It would be the recommendation, certainly in like any cities or something like that, you know. But if, if you're out in the countryside and there's not good cell connectivity, then then you could uh, connect with the uh, installing antenna. And you wouldn't need, you know, you don't need to like have like gigabit level or level connectivity. You could probably like, you know, 20, 30 megabits is probably fine. Um, and then you could have a much smaller antenna. So uh, yeah, I guess it could be good for you know, making sure there's connectivity and outside of major cities and that kind of thing. But I mean, that's a, yeah, I'm sort of, I'd say, relatively obtuse. Uh, it's, it's not, you know, I'm not thinking about it very much, to be honest. So there you go. It's probably not happening for the foreseeable future with regard to Starlink in Teslas. All right, the Cybertruck. I'm surprised it took more than halfway through the earnings call for it to come up, but here it is. Let's talk some Cybertruck. Yeah, I, yeah, I think we, we don't comment on the on those detailed numbers, except uh, the demand is just far more than we could reasonably make in the space of, you know, I don't know, three or four years or something like that. So um, the, the the thing we're going to be really focused on is uh, increasing uh, battery uh, production capacity because the, the, that's very fundamental because you know, if you don't improve battery production capacity, then you end up just shifting uh, unit volume from one product to another and you haven't actually produced more electric vehicles. So, um, you know, that's, that's part of the reason why we uh, have not, for example, really accelerated uh, production of the Tesla Semi because it does use a lot of cells. And, and unless we've got a uh, lot of battery cells available, then, then say like um, accelerating production of the Tesla Semi would, would then necessarily mean making fewer Model 3 or Model Y cars. Um, so we, we've got to really make sure we, we, we get uh, a very steep ramp in battery production um, and continue to improve the cost per kilowatt hour of the batteries. This is this is very fundamental um, and extremely difficult. Um, so the you know we'll, I said we're going to do like kind of a battery day um, just to kind of explain more about this and what our plans are. Um, I think probably it's going to make sense to do that after the end of this quarter because I think it's going to be a kind of an intense end of quarter as it was last quarter. Um, so, you know, tentatively, sort of in the April time frame, we'll do, do a battery day uh, and and kind of go through what the um, challenges are. Um, you know, how, how do you how do you get from here to I don't know a couple thousand gigawatt hours a year or something? Well, there is a lot to unpack there. First, Cybertruck demand is greater far greater, Elon said, than three or four years worth of production. So let's go ahead and say 100,000 Cybertrucks per year. I'm going to go ahead just for this exercise, this thought exercise. I'm putting production conservatively between the S uh, and the the 3, or or X and the Y, depending on how you want to look at it. So uh, that's roughly 400,000 reservations at least so far. Uh, the, the anticipated demand, according to Elon. And wow, I mean, that's, that's wild because inevitably, 
Many, many more reservations will come in as the Cybertruck gets closer to production. Second, uh, it was interesting to hear uh, Elon say that the semi has been seemingly kind of been in a, a holding pattern due to battery capacity. You know, the nice part about that, at least, is that Jerome Guillen's semi team can continue to make improvements to that product that are ult- that you know ultimately is going to just benefit all the customers later this year or next. So it's, you know, they're just they're taking full advantage of the of the extra time at least. You know, that might also partially explain the Roadster kind of sitting around and being being uh, on the back burner a bit. Now, Elon has previously referred to that car as dessert, and he's right about that. You know, they have to get the fundamentals of the company in place from a financial perspective. And that means the three and the Y. But hopefully Battery Day uh, in April, as you heard, is going to lay out a path to major battery production growth that will enable the Cybertruck, the Semi, and the Roadster alongside the SX3 and Y. Let's check in for a moment, shall we? Uh, Courtesy of an analyst question on the Tesla secret master plan part deux that Elon uh, put out a few years ago. And have we accomplished everything in there yet? Well, let's take a listen to Elon. You know, going back to what I just said, the, the, we, we've got to improve the total battery capacity. Um, otherwise, we add complexity, but we do not improve the number of vehicles on the road. Uh, so uh, what we do, you know, some sort of high-capacity vehicle at some point, probably, um, but we, we need to make sure we've got the batteries to you know, make cars that we already that are already on our plate, um, and 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 it's it's just generally true. And I've seen some some uh, like uh, sort of sensible comments by Ark Invest, or, you know, where they're um, pointing out that really people do prefer to drive in their cars mostly by themselves, um, and like the average, <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the average number of occupants in a car I think is like 1.2. And maybe with autonomy, maybe it'll go to 1.4, maybe. Um, but I'm not sure if that even it even goes there. So, um, you know, w- w- will it make sense just for us to do sort of a minivan or, you know, sp- sort of sprinter-like van at some point? Pr- probably. But like I said, we've got to solve this battery. We've got to scale battery production to crazy levels that people cannot even fathom today. That's the real problem. If you'll recall, the original Tesla Secret Master Plan Part 1 completely came true. So let's review Part 2, which, by the way, was from July 2016, a full three and a half years ago already. Man, time flies. It was boiled down to this. Create stunning solar roofs with uh, seamlessly integrated battery storage. Expand the electric vehicle product line to address all major segments. Develop a self-driving capability that is 10 times safer than manual via massive fleet learning. And enable your car to make money for you when you aren't using it. Well, item number one, looking good on that. The version 3 solar glass roof tiles are rolling out now. People are getting them installed in their homes. Item number two, well, that one's in progress. You got the Model Y rolling out soon and the Cybertruck due in about two years. Item number three, in progress as well. The feature-complete full self-driving, as you heard earlier in the call, is making some strides. And item number four, well, we're still waiting on that one. 
I have no doubt that Elon and the team are eventually going to check all four of those off of their to-do list. All right, time to talk Model Y differences from Model 3. That was the question. So here's Elon kind of speaking to what makes the Model Y uh, unique, shall we say. You know, we're not, we're not quite sure what's going to happen, with, but, but it is true that Model X, the introduction of Model X actually increased Model S sales. Because um, people would come in, they'd look at the Model X, and they'd like said, "Okay, you know, I'd prefer the sedan," and and uh, we were worried that that X sales would cause S sales to drop, but they actually caused it to increase. Um, so, you, you know, from but from our standpoint, I, we're not too worried about demand. We're worried about production. You know, it's, it's make sure we get that production ramp going and and reach volume production as soon as possible with the Model Y. Um, and uh, it's hard to, to, to. It's always hard to predict what that missed that that the S the the you know the exponential part of the S curve of of production. Um, but production pretty much always follows this S curve, or it's kind of like a herky jerky S curve. Um, and you know you can it's easy to predict what it's going to be like in the beginning because it's slow, and it's easy to predict what it's going to be like at the end. But that intermediate portion, the S curve, is very difficult to predict. So that's and it involves a massive amount of hard work and. Um, and, and just reacting fast to issues that arise. Um, so, you know, I think we're, we're, we're just, you know, going to go as fast as we can with the Model Y and make sure it's a great product. Uh, I, I think there are some things that will differentiate it, but not um, not something we want to talk about in this call. Um, and I think, so, you know, when they do, when people do a teardown of the Model Y, I think they'll be impressed about some of the things they see. And, and just to add to that, uh, I think it's important to keep the Model Y launch in context of the next 18 to 24 months. But what we're working on here between Berlin and Shanghai and Fremont is to have 3 and Y locally produced in all locations. Yeah. And so um, Model 3 is expanding as Model Y is expanding. There may be ups and downs to various factories as we get to the journey of having these products on, all con- on the major continents. Yeah. Also, the rule of thumb of 10%, I, I think you need to see it. When you see the car, you'll realize that it's not just a 10% different car. It's 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 not just that. There's more change happening, like to the customer's perspective as well. Elon hinting at the manufacturing improvements to the Y there, suggesting that when Sandy Monroe or anyone else rips a Model Y apart, they're going to be impressed with the way that Tesla has built it. And you know, I appreciate Elon's honesty there about what will happen to the Model Three demand. I mean, I think we're not quite sure, is a totally fair answer. You know, will will new Tesla customers that choose the Y, uh, is that going to cause a ripple effect in their neighborhoods, causing their friends, their neighbors to look into Tesla and maybe be wooed by a three, particularly this year, by the way, when it's the three is going to be much more readily available than, than the Y because of both the reservation list on the Y and the production ramp on the Y. That's definitely possible. But it's also possible that demand for the three does decrease a bit because a lot of people that might have gone for it will now instead have the option to go for the Model Y instead. Uh, thankfully, though, if that happens, Tesla said on this very call that they're aiming for very high margins on the Y. So, heck, Tesla might even prefer that people opt for the Y over the three. But, you know, there's another factor to achieving high margins besides manufacturing. Take it away, Elon. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that's really going to probably just have a profound effect on our financials is like is high volume and high margin, obviously. Uh, and that high margin part comes from autonomy. So do people buy the, the full self-driving package or not? And do they buy it worldwide or only in certain places? Um, for example, our autonomy is not as good in China as it is in the U.S. So fewer people, a very small percentage of people, buy the FSD package in China. But as we as we fix that, then we will see a much higher people percentage of people buy it. Um, and as we get closer to full self-driving, um, that's just going to become more and more compelling. So that that that's from a financial standpoint, that's the real mind-blowing situation: is high volume, high margin because of autonomy. You know, I wonder if Europe's full self-driving package uptake is a bit lower than the United States's, since regulators over there have hindered the autopilot features that Tesla's able to roll out. I didn't even know that that was uh, the case in China as well, so, so I learned something new today. Let's talk about the Tesla powertrains, Elon Musk. Well, powertrain's pretty damn good. I mean, it's way better than anything else out there by a country mile, you know. It's worth noting, for example, that the uh, the Model S has like 100 kilowatt hour pack. The Taycan has 100, you know, like 95 kilowatt hour pack. The Model S uh, is steadily approaching 400 miles range. The Taycan has 200 miles range. So we must be using that energy pretty efficiently, and the powertrain is a big part of that. Um, I, I would just say that focuses on cost on the powertrain. Um, when we're thinking about technology innovations, it's how do we how do we continue to drive the cost down? Yeah, and and you know that's through voltage is maybe one angle, but there are certainly others that just enable more power density and lower cost. A flat powertrain is like mind blowing, I think. Um, yeah, coming out later this year, end of the year probably. That's our goal: get the flat powertrain out end of the year. And then it's going to be like, this is like alien technology. It's insane. It's all about power. I, I, I didn't even think we could do, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I thought it was, no way. Um, this kick-ass engineering team, this tells us tells all about hardcore engineering. Elon talking up the plaid powertrain there. He says it's going to feel alien. I cannot wait to see that. I wonder if they're going to find themselves right back on the cover of a whole lot of magazines and websites when that Plaid S comes out. Hey, if anybody out there in my audience, particularly in the Bay Area, obviously, happens to buy one, I would love a ride. Drop me a line. Uh, Finally, there's one more clip I've got for you from the Q4 2019 earnings call, and it is related to Maxwell Technologies, one of the recent Tesla acquisitions. These guys are looked at as a potential secret sauce in future uh, exponential battery capacity and capability upgrades. So here is Elon speaking about Maxwell. Well, like I said, we're going to talk about this in Battery Day, which is probably April. Um, and then a lot of these questions will be answered. I think it's going to be a very compelling story that we have to present. Uh, I think it's going to actually blow people's minds. Uh, it blows my mind, and I am, clo- uh, you know, I know it. Uh, (laughs) So I think it's going to be pretty cool. So there you have it, the end of the Q4 2019 earnings call. It is time to get hyped for Battery Day. I think that might be the next big thing that Tesla does, in fact, since it could be right before or right after the Q1 earnings call. Actually, you know what? Check that. 
History tells us that there will be a Model Y launch event in Fremont sometime before the end of March, since, as you heard earlier in the call, that's when deliveries are supposed to begin for the Model Y. So I guess that is probably going to be the next Tesla event that I'll be covering for you guys, outside of the usual fun week-to-week Tesla news cycle. But I'll say it one more time. You know, I said it on my New Year's show It is just going to be such a fun year of covering this company and their products and their mission. I love it. I'm having a blast. Uh, But I'm not quite done with this episode yet. I am going to skip the Ride the Lightning hotline calls this week just since I'm already over an hour. I want to be respectful of your time and not turn this into a a two-hour show. So I'll do those next week. And again, I welcome and encourage you to call in with your Tesla questions, comments, and discussion topics. Maybe you heard something in one of those clips this week that Elon was talking about that you wanted to react to or or it provoked a question. So if you want to call in to the Ride the Lightning hotline, you can do so in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone and the your built-in voice recording software, the voice memo on iPhone and uh, the, the equivalent on Android, uh, and just record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, a minute and a half or less. Uh, And you can email that to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number, so just dial it up. doesn't cost you anything. And it's 1-888-989-TSLA. That's uh, 1-888-989-8752. So we'll do those, those calls next week. For now, though, I'm not quite done. Stick with me. I'll come right back. I'll tell you what I've been up to with my car, as well as your pro tip of the week and some final thoughts right after this. Oh, I just remembered one personal note that I've been meaning to bring up. Not a Tesla news thing, but it is Tesla relevant. Uh, the road, the Tesla Roadster. So if you'll recall, I was very fortunate to win two of them in the referral program. Uh, and it of course makes only makes all the sense to sell one to pay for the insane amount of taxes on both of them. Uh, cause that's, it, you know, it's, it's basically treated like a lottery winning kind of thing, financially speaking. So, uh, yeah, the back of the napkin math is, uh, it's scary. Basically, you you have to win two and sell one in order to actually get to win and keep one. So uh, I bring this up because I had had an agreement in place with a listener who had, uh, when I'd initially won the cars and, and put the word out that, hey, the other one's, the second one's for sale. Well, that that uh, is uh, that car is now available once again. So if there is anyone out there, and I did hear from a few of you when I first put this out. So if you are interested in purchasing a Founders Edition Tesla Roadster, uh, let's talk. Just email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to chat through the uh, the options with you. So anyway, uh, I did wash the Spirit of Adventure, my Model 3, and man, it just felt good. Finally had some uh, some lack of rain in the forecast, some clear skies, sunny skies in the forecast. It just, uh, yeah, it just always feels good to wash. It's... Uh, Feels good. And, you know, I'm, I'm taking it in next week for the, well, the battery breathers, as I mentioned, and then my full self-driving computer upgrade. And it's just, I would rather it go into service clean than, uh, <laughs> than you know, so these guys, so that the service team thinks, well, okay, great. This guy takes, you know, I, I think, I don't want him to see a dirty car. I want him to see a nice, clean car. Anyway, uh, so I'll, I'll um, 
hopefully be talking about that next week, if it's done. They warned me that they'll probably have to keep it overnight, maybe longer, so we'll see how that goes. But I'll have that to talk about pretty soon. For now, though, here is your pro tip of the week. Comes, uh, unfortunately, from an anonymous caller. The person did not identify themselves, but nevertheless... It is about. It is relevant to those of you who who may travel and leave your car for an extended amount of time. So take a listen to this. Hey Ryan, and uh, enjoy the show very much. Just wanted to leave a uh, possible pro tip. Um, when I was traveling uh, to Arizona from Colorado Springs uh, over Thanksgiving, um, my car lost about forty miles of range and the three days I was gone, a little less than three days actually, and I did not have sentry mode active. I purposely didn't turn that on because I didn't want to lose the range. And it, it was, you know, a little cold, but not that cold in the uh, 30s. Um, and uh, yeah, I just wrote that off. And I, I don't have that issue when I'm at home. I've been home for two or three days and, and no no loss. Um so uh, I traveled again a couple weeks later, and same problem at the airport, you know, 15, 20 miles a day uh, drain. And um, it turned out the issue was advanced summon, which has a default of on, or, or I'm sorry, advanced summon standby mode, which allows when you when you uh, open your app and you see there's a button there, come to me. Uh, if you don't have standby mode on, that come to me button won't be there uh, for a couple of minutes. So standby mode leaves everything running, camera sensors and everything. And when you open the app, it's there. And that's that standby mode's on by default. And uh, you can turn that off under autopilot. Uh, advanced summon and standby mode, and, or you can leave it on. And the reason I don't have it at work or home is there's a uh, there's a exclusion of work, home, and favorites. So if you have any favorites in your map or in if uh, your car knows where work and home is, it's not going to have standby mode on uh, if those items are checked. So the fix if you're at the airport is add airport to your favorites or just turn off standby mode when you park at the airport on Advanced Summon. Great podcast. Thanks. Talk to you later. Well, thank you very much for that. That is definitely a useful power-saving tip if you're going to be gone for a while with the car unplugged, for instance, as this gentleman notes, at the airport. I actually, uh, I got to say, I would not have realized that one myself without your call. So thanks again. And again, if you've got a pro tip, feel free to send it in the exact same way that you send in any of the other phone calls. Uh, email it in, you know, by recording it on your phone or dial in to the Ride the Lightning hotline. All right, before I go, let me plug a few friends of mine. Of course, abstractocean.com offering their 15% discount to listeners of this podcast on their very first order. Whether you're in the market for a screen protector, a uh, a console center console wrap for your car, a, a cool either a lighting upgrade or a cool lighting kit for the the doors, the little uh, puddle lights that sh- you know can shine down a Tesla logo instead of just a a regular old light bulb. Uh, key fob pockets if you've got an SX or the Model 3 key fob. All that and more, check it out, abstractocean.com. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, if you are in the Bay Area or going to be in the Bay Area, 
I would put Immaculate Reflections up against the best of the best as far as the quality of detailing work, whether you're looking for just a, a, a nice clay bar, wash, wax, just like a thorough deep clean. Jeff at Immaculate Reflections can take care of you there. Or if you're doing a ceramic coating or paint protection film or a paint correction, any of it, all of it, drop them a line. Uh, irdetailing.com is the website. You can see his work there and get in touch and get on his schedule. PureTesla.com slash RTL. That is the website to go to. If you need a one-stop solution for your sentry mode dash cam in your Tesla, PureTesla.com slash RTL. $49 for the 128 gig kit. $69 if you want to step up to the 256. Comes fully formatted, ready to go, ready to plug into your car. Uh, works with Mac and PC, and it's free shipping in the U.S., otherwise reasonably priced shipping if you are international. And then Jada, my friends at Jada, they've got their wireless charging pad for the Model 3, as well as the USB hub for the Model 3. I am a, a user and fan of both of those products. If you're in the market for either, please use my referral link, Full disclosure, they'll throw me a few bucks if you uh, if you order through my link so they know you came from my podcast. You can go to getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight, and Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. If you're not already subscribing to the podcast, why not do yourself a favor and do so if you enjoy what I'm doing here? Because subscribing on your favorite podcast service, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, which is in your Tesla, uh, Spotify, or even on YouTube, uh, although, it's, again, it's just, just audio on YouTube, no video. Uh, if you subscribe, that means the show will be downloaded to you each and every, or pushed out to you each and every time there's a new episode, which, of course, is every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. Unless you can get it earlier than that if you happen to support me on Patreon. So, you know, in all seriousness, a lot of time, a lot of energy, uh, a lot of enthusiasm goes into making this podcast every single week without fail. I, I, I take a lot of pride in the fact that I'm here each and every week for you, even when, uh, as you can hear this week, I am not sounding my best, but I'm here for you. Uh, so if you do feel like I've earned your trust and you'd like to support me. It is totally optional. There's nothing, nothing's ever going to be held back from you as far as the, the main podcast here goes. It's always going to be out there for free. But if you would like to, to jump in on the Patreon, uh, there are some additional perks as well as just the fact that you would, you'd be uh, really helping my life out. Because you know what? The, the, the honest truth is every little bit helps. It all adds together, and it really makes a difference in my life and my family's life if you do see fit to help me out. So you can find all of uh, the information for that on my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash Podcast. So, you know, I mentioned uh, the, the early access to each week's episode that is one of the bonuses that's available at one of the tiers. So you, you can go to the Patreon site if you'd like to see what, what all that stuff uh, is and what all the different options are. That will about wrap it up. As I've said, uh, you can email me anytime at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter or Instagram. DMC underscore Ryan is my username on both of those platforms. 
And finally, I just want to say a uh, very hearty thank you for the continued support of the Patreon producers. The folks, the, the producer tier uh, Patreon backers get uh, a handful of bonuses, including a shout out each and every week. So thank you very much for your continued support. Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dorian Steve Guberman, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Scott Gillis, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, Lisa Kaz, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, and Mark Eversall. I sincerely appreciate the generous support that each and every one of you uh, give me each, each month. And with that, I would like to sign off, but not before issuing an apology. I, I mean, I'm actually serious. Like, I know that this was not my best episode because I just, I couldn't, I don't sound good. I know it. I'm doing the best I can. Um, you know, it's part of my problem too is I've had asthma since I was a kid and I'm, I'm very lucky that it's not that bad, but what, when it really gets me is it'll, it'll kick in when I get sick, when I get a cold, almost inevitably every single time that cold will go down to my chest tighten the chest, trigger the asthma, and I just don't have the, uh, the, the, the volume in my, in my breath and in my voice, so I have to, like, stop more frequently and catch my breath more frequently, so I, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, I'm very sorry. I mean, if you made it this far, I guess I must have done something right, but I do apologize. I, I take a lot of pride in, in trying to put, put on as good of a podcast for you as I can, and obviously, how I'm speaking and how I'm sounding is a huge part of that. So uh, I'm sorry I'm under the weather this week. Hopefully, I sure hope I'll be feeling better next week because it's I'm already at about seven days, six, seven days with this cold or whatever the heck it is. So uh, in any case, I won't waste any more of your time. Just wanted to make sure I was uh, I was honest and sincere about that. So for a... Oh, she's awake. For Daisy the Boxer Puppy, who's looking out the window right now, on top of the couch. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. I hope you enjoyed the Q4 2019 earnings call recap and analysis episode. I love these once a quarter. It's always a fun project for me to look forward to. And with that, I will see you all next week. Happy electric motoring. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car.
it's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.